Hello and welcome to What's the Big Deal About Greenville. In today's episode, I have Eric Barnhart. Eric is the founder of Urban Contemplatives, an organization here in Greenville that seeks mindfulness in the Christian experience. Eric, thanks for sitting down with me and talking with me. Thanks. Bill, a pleasure, sir, as always. <laughs> Eric and I have been buddies for a while, and uh, I'm, I, and it's awesome to get to catch up with him. Um, but uh, just like every episode, I want to start off with uh, just a kind of a background portion. So first off, uh, share with your listeners your background, Eric, and uh, the journey to Urban Contemplatives. Yes, sir. Um, this is a long format show, right? So we're good? Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. This is five hours at least. 30 seconds or less. Tell right, us that's right. why you're here today. Uh, yeah. So, well, first off, you know, Bill, you and I met uh, back in our DP, my DPC days, anyway, um, downtown press, for those who are not familiar with the acronym. And uh, when I first uh, came to Greenville, it was in 2008. Uh, and that was to pursue a relationship with a church at the time. It was there for about a year. Uh, yada, yada. Things didn't stay uh, sort of on track. We didn't match up uh, as well as I'd like. So ended up going back to uh, Presbyterian PCA roots of mine at the time and DPC. And that's where Bill and I met uh, and was there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So how urban contemplatives sort of came to be. I grew up in the Midwest. Uh, didn't grow up in a Christian uh, background per se, Christian subculture. By the mm-hmm. way, I talk really, really fast, um, which is great for teaching students in 30 minutes or less for piano lessons. <laughs> Sometimes not as good for podcasts, but uh, if you all want to hit the half speed button right now, that might be oh, a there good, you go. That's, <laughs> that's, what that's, that's right, right. Exactly. There you go. Well, I am talking. Anyway, so right, exactly. Uh, I do that for I do the opposite way for almost all my podcasts, except okay. Bill it's Cameron. Like the, because, Alvin, and, Alvin and the Chipmunks, you know, it's like, yes, Dave. Exactly. Yes. But right. for, for Bill Cameron, I slow it down because the magic and the beauty of his voice whenever I listen to this podcast is just something you should savor also this is going to be the most stream of consciousness i already warned him stream of consciousness interview he probably ever does but that's fine um, urban contemplatives right well you know you know you just gotta go with that so point being let's 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 rail it back here folks okay Okay. so urban contemplatives essentially came from uh, a trajectory that i had been on ever since going to college back in uh 92 yes i'm old um went to the university of miami ended up getting involved uh with some uh, organizations that were Christians, uh, had Christians in them, and they were a really powerful witness to me, ended up becoming a Christian in college, uh, and got involved with campus ministries there on site. And one of the things that really struck me, and one of the reasons I was really attracted to Christianity back then at the University of Miami, this is the one in Miami, Florida, not the not the one in that other state with a lot of vowels, Ohio. I'm from Iowa, so we mm-hmm. mock each other. And also my wife is from Ohio, so we have to mock each other. So mm-hmm. no offense to any Ohioans in the, in the audience, you have a lovely state. Um, with that being said, um, down the years from Miami, at the University of Miami, I got involved in campus ministries. And these campus ministries, uh, two of them, the Wesley Foundation and InterVarsity, were both very ecumenical, evangelical in their approach at the time. And great leadership. And you saw these great things happening uh, that had uh, just huge, uh, powerful things happen. People who were, uh, there at the time, there was... <clears throat> Uh, a huge uh, cross-cultural ministry going on within InterVarsity. Uh, there were some uh, really powerful things. There was a CBC, Collegiate Black and Christian uh, group. It was a small group that basically formed into a large group. There was, I think, I don't know, like 80, 100 members there at the time. Mm-hmm. And the guy that led it, the staff worker for InterVarsity, was a guy uh, named Ed Ali. And uh, I don't think Ed's in Chicago now. I don't think he's with InterVarsity anymore, but he was a fantastic staff worker. He was the first black man 
from Iowa as an Iowan growing up in Iowa that I'd ever met. And it took me to go to Miami, Florida to meet a black man who also grew up in Iowa. Cause that's how, huh. that's how segregated, um, not by design or intention, just by the culture. Right, it's just the demographics. Of the, the yeah. The percentage. And um, I, I literally remember when a, the first black family moved to my town that I grew up in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that was, that was the thing in, in the early nineties um, or late, late, 80s like somewhere around there mm -hmm. so uh we got to see these great things happening uh in intervarsity and the wesley foundation uh cross-culturally transculturally um counter-culturally these were some amazing things and it was happening irrespective of race uh of demographic in terms of socioeconomic status there were plenty of folks like me who didn't have you know two pennies rubbed together with lots of very privileged folks going to the private school of university of miami shocker mm -hmm. um and uh, as well as you know uh people from every denomination and affiliation we had catholics we had protestants we had anglicans we had people from every type of background and worship experience from incredibly mainline you know frozen chosen up to pentecostal very charismatic you know you know, if you don't speak in tongues you know what's the point kind of people yeah and, and on, every, on every level and we all came together and worship and that is where i came in to christianity Right. Mm. And so that was that was my introduction. Great music, tons of musicians that were part of the jazz program there, the musical theater program. Top some of the best you know, musicians in the world were leading the music in, the, in some of these experiences. Wow. And so that was my that was my gateway. Right. And uh, I didn't realize until later how unusual <laughs> that mm. that experience was. But that yeah, has always typical at all. Yeah. But that had set the template of like, this is, this is what I want to be about. And I ended up becoming uh, a music guy almost you know, by freakish occurrences. I won't go into the details, but, at, but at a church, my first gig, I didn't even know what a music director was. Like, or, I didn't even know they had a music guy for churches. Like I was just brand new when somebody approached me about it. And I said, hey, you know, we're doing a cross-cultural thing. And I'm like, that's cool. But I had just come from an internship at, at uh, a Presbyterian church that was, in, that was very much more, oh, so this is how the rest of people do church, which is, Oh, you know, oh my fortress, and then you know, uh, yeah. and then you know, drum beats, are, you know, like just right. you know, like old. It's a weird hybrid of like old time religion. Yeah, and, yeah. But we, you know, we want to get the young people. Yes, yeah. So we we need to yeah. we need to tap those drums. Don't hit those drums. Tap those right. drums. Make right, sure they're exactly. put in an entirely right. enclosed plexiglass case. Yep. And then let's tap those drums. Yeah, it's like Von, <laughs> John Philip Sousa or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah. So, um, when I was approached for that for cross cultural ministry, I did I, uh, at a church. I ended up working with them in Miami for about six years, and it was awesome. I was like, "Oh, cool! So churches do do this. This this church mm -hmm. might have been this way, but this church, this is really cool." Then I got uh, then I needed to, to to leave Miami and was looking for other churches. Like, oh no, this church really is unusual. They, <laughs> most, almost no Presbyterian churches in this kind of dialogue or conversation of looking at, you know at a, a cross-cultural approach or a socioeconomic and trying to reach different demographics other than that mm -hmm. homogeneous sort of approach. And um, so I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I still feel called to work in church. I still feel called to work in ministry. And so that took me to Atlanta. I was there in Atlanta for four years, 2004 to 2008. Uh, again, I, as I mentioned earlier, I was called from uh, Atlanta to Greenville uh, in 2008 and had been here ever since um, and have been figuring out, okay, this has been a journey. Most of my time has been spent you know, when I've been vocationally employed uh, you know, on, on staff, on salary with Presbyterian churches. But I've worked with 
over the years with lots of different uh, uh, parachurch organizations, different uh, nonprofits, different ministries like Latin American mm-hmm. Mission, uh, MTA, lot, lots of different groups. NDW, I've played for a lot of different things. Um, worked with Methodist churches a lot. I've uh, worked with some Episcopal. Uh, I've played for Assemblies of God and you know, even Brownsville Revival stuff. I was down in Miami, Florida. We did some Promise Keepers things. So mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of different expressions of worship, right? over the years right. and a lot of different manifestations and about about five years or so ago i really was kind of looking at my life and going kind of like what we were talking bill uh, earlier with you it's like you know it wasn't necessarily soul sucking but it was mm-hmm. becoming to feel okay this is really a job right mm-hmm. i love doing yeah. what i do but I feel so boxed in and so constrained with this one aspect of expression. And it, it, it seems like it doesn't matter where I go here in this mm-hmm. town or really most towns. You know, if, if I look around, I, you know, I've just I've seen so many resumes. I've seen so many job descriptions. I've seen so many churches and look in different areas like, you know, something's missing. And I couldn't really tell what it was. And so I started thinking back about my life over the years and reflecting and going, you know, what are the, where are the places where I most felt like God is among us? Where are the places, where are the experiences that I felt like God is really present? God is really doing something. And there's something special, unusual, you know, to fulfill that song, to fulfill sort of that catchphrase, which is based off, you know, the Bible. They will know we are Christians by our love. Where did I really mm-hmm. see that happen irrespective of the world and worldly constraints? And I thought back to college and I thought back to that cross-cultural church. And despite all of their failings, there are plenty of plenty of things wrong that were going on over there and in these different manifestations too. God was bigger than the world, you know, mm-hmm. and we saw it manifest. You know, Christ had overcome the world and it was living out. The kingdom was advancing in ways that I just, you know, you hadn't normally mm-hmm. seen. And, and, you know, I've seen glimpses of that in different places. And I started thinking about those things and what was driving them and what I could do to reconnect to those. So I spent a lot of time dwelling on that. Meanwhile, concurrently, if you will, um, I was looking at doing a degree in worship studies, uh, doing getting a graduate degree in the worship studies from Robert Weber's Institute for Worship Studies, which is a, a school that's mostly online in its curriculum. You go down for a week, you do an intensive, then you go back, you stick with a cohort through the program, Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. A lot of very similar to a lot of models that are that are popping up that are not brick and mortar per se. Um, but right. it's it's the, really the only school I know of its kind. Um, it's incredibly ecumenical in its approach. They're, they don't care about, and it's not a music program like a lot of worship mm-hmm. quote unquote programs are. Um, right. You know, which are really worship or music and worship, and then they frame how to express worship through music uh, and degrees in a lot of uh, programs. This is a worship studies degree so it's based on four semesters you take four classes the first is biblical foundations of worship the second is a history of the church and the history of worship uh and mm-hmm. how and that how it comes uh the third is um was originally called uh i believe it was what was it called uh postmodernism and christianity and so it, it has evolved because now there's post postmodernism. now there's probably mm-hmm. post 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 you know right post checks mix <laughs> you know general mills right you know, right yeah you know, whatever brand. right exactly right and so um i think they call it uh 
contextualization of, of Christianity. So basically how to hmm. speak into your culture and the philosophy or the ethos that's going on in today and being able to try basically taking the unknown God that Paul was, mm. was dealing with, you know, the Greeks didn't yeah. saying, here you go. This is what, yeah, here we go, guys. Let's talk the same lingo. And then the last one is, is, uh, insert cultural. So, uh, countercultural, cross-cultural, transcultural, you know, any context that's not your own and how to share mm-hmm. and, 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 and be able to interrelate so that the gospel is communicated. Mm-hmm. And yeah. amazing program, amazing program, amazing faculty, amazing cohort that I worked with and grew immensely uh, by going through that. As I was going through that program and as it allowed me to be free to begin to think through what ultimately do I want to see with my life coming out of this? Right. What what mm-hmm. is awakening things in me that I have not given myself the, the permission or the freedom or the time, just just sometimes just the sheer time to spend mm-hmm. uh, contemplating, if you will, on right. what uh, I find to be most resonating with my skill set. You know what I'm what I what I know, what I'm quick to do, what I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so it all boiled down to one question for me, looking at these things that I asked myself and, and began to meditate on and chew on and ruminate on. What do I want to, what could I do with my life that I believe I would still be passionate about doing in some capacity uh, and would be successful at doing in some capacity in advancing the kingdom of God in my life and the lives of others until I'm 90? <laughs> that was my goal because there's a guy uh, who, uh, who passed away about 10 years ago. His name was Brother Roger. He was the founder of a movement called Tizay, which was uh, the, uh, a new monastic order for monks. It's new. <laughs> Got started in the 40s, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's been around since World War II. He started as uh, a ministry to refugees in France uh, in a podunk little village uh, called Tizay, France. And it has grown to be the largest uh, monastic pilgrimage and, and movement uh, for new monasticism, I think, in existence still today. A hundred brothers and then tens of thousands of uh, people ages 18 to 30 uh, come through there every year um, mm. in this little, you know, little, little village. And so he, it was fascinating to me because it's not affiliated with any denomination. In mm. fact, he was a Swiss reformed theologian. He studied at a Swiss reformed seminary, which you know, for folks who know Presbyterianism, that's our roots, right? Calvin, Swiss theologian, right? Of course, you got John Knox, you got a whole bunch of other guys. But anyway, point Mm -hmm. being, that's where he came. And this guy was so unusual. He was unique to the experience of what was going on at the time. And his his small little monastic order of brothers who were ministering to the refugees grew to such prominence that Catholics were being drawn to them in, Mm -hmm. in droves to the point it was so pronounced that the Pope said, who is this guy? Why do I keep hearing about, t- what, Tazzy? Tuzi? Tazzy? You know, whatever. <laughs> he was Italian. He didn't speak French. So right. point being, he's like, and so Roger, Brother Roger got invited during Vatican II to come over and speak on behalf of Protestants to help form and shape Vatican II. That's how significant these little dudes mm. who were just help, helping folks out in France were. And when you become a member of that order, you stay uh, with your affiliation. You don't have to renounce. There's no, you know, monastic renunciation, renunciation of if you're Catholic, you're no longer Catholic. No, they want you to identify. Yes, I'm a Catholic brother. 
Yes, I'm an Anglican brother. Yes, uh, I'm uh, uh, a brother of you know, the uh, of the force. You know, I've, uh, you know <laughs> whatever yeah, whatever you yeah. come back for your, your background is. They want you to be there. Uh, it is it is a, it is Christian in its in its foundation, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of your your affiliation or domination, they want you to be you, and then be yeah. in service of the Lord in that context. Because uh, the way that Brother Roger and others would put it is that that. Uh, they, they want to be enriched by your own uh, experience of God and that own working out that manifestation. It informs who they are when you can share from your perspective of how God uh, has moved in your life and has used the traditions and the culture and the rhythms mm-hmm. uh, that you ha- that has brought you here and made you you. Um, so right. powerful. And so I like that connected me and said that is something that's happening uh, in in Europe. That's exactly what I experienced in South Florida. Something, you know, pe- people caring more about the kingdom than about okay. how, how, how it looks for their kingdom. Right. And all those things combined started really turning my wheels. And I said, you know, what, did, what do they do? Well, it's very simple. They spend time listening to God a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they use music that's accessible. They use traditions from monasticism. And so, like I said, I use that term new monasticism, right? Mm -hmm. They use tools, they use practices, they use uh, these uh, offerings from the centuries old practices of monasticism, from Benedictines, Mm -hmm. from Cistercians, for all these different kinds of practices. It's a liturgy. Yeah. And, and, and they have incorporated them, but what they have done, at least back in the forties and fifties, uh, as they started taking and making them accessible, making Mm -hmm. them modern for them and making them easy to do for themselves and for others who wanted to experience them. So they have three, I think they have three main daily offices and they don't call them offices because again, that's jargon. They call them daily prayers because that's what most Christians would understand. And so when, when the, the youth, the 18-year-olds, the 25-year-olds, the 3-year-olds, they come, not only do they have th- just three, because I've been also to Mepping and Abdi, which is, which is great. It's, it's a Benedictine Cistercian um, uh, monastery in, uh, down over by Charleston, amazing mm-hmm. spiritual center. They have like eight <laughs> or nine that they do. They start at 3 a.m. They go to 9 p.m. And there's like eight of them in between. I'm like, Bro, I am not getting up with you at 3 a.m. I love you, brother. <laughs> You'll have a great time. I'll see you at yeah. noon for lunch for the noon thing. We'll, we'll circle right. up. But, um, but these guys, yeah, and so it's incredibly accessible. And here's the other thing. They translated them into many of the songs are very short. They're very simple. They're chants that are very singable. Some of them will have parts that people want to harmonize with them. Beautiful mm-hmm. songs that they commissioned with a local composer, a French composer. They sing these songs in the language that the person who, from, from Europe can sing them in. So if you're from France, sing it in French. If you're from German, sing it in German. It's all right there. And there's this amazing blend. I actually visited today in 2018 as part of this okay. uh, uh, of, of this refining of what urban Clemp is to be. And so this is where all this is coming from. I'm seeing these guys. They're, they're transcending language. They're transcending culture. They're transcending denomination and affiliation. Mm-hmm. And it can be done. And mm-hmm. not only are they doing it, they're doing it successfully. So mm-hmm. in a way that communicates the kingdom, I think, in the way that Christ would like us to communicate the kingdom. And so I started using it as a template. And what, uh, 
what things would if, if we were to take aspects of that and translate it into my own life personally mm -hmm. and then to see a working out of that here what would that look like um and that's how i started answering my question of what would i like to do until i'm 90 <sighs> brother roger yeah died when he was 90 that's and he died serving at a, an actual uh daily prayer service <laughs> he 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 did he he did and he didn't die from old age there was actually a <laughs> You know, uh, it's slightly PG here, folks, but there was a there was um, a, a disturbed, emotionally disturbed lady who had, had come several times and mm -hmm. they she knew they knew she was dangerous. She got through one time, one one too many and actually attacked and killed him in the middle of oh, her wow. service. Yeah. So huge. <laughs> it's a huge deal. See, he was 90 mm -hmm. at his funeral. Representatives of every international world you know, Christian uh, affiliation, the Anglican church, the Pope, the right-hand guy of the Pope showed up, you know, like all of these people came to this guy's funeral in, in commemoration of this, of this man and what this uh, ministry had done. Um, so that was my, that's why I put, chose 90. It's like, if I can make it, make it that far and go there, like this guy is still rocking. He started success. when he, in the forties and was still going yeah. in 2008 when his life was, was ended. Amazing. So, so this is like your thought process to move towards uh, founding urban contemplatives. Exactly. Um, so what is like, okay, so you're, you're, you've described the uh, monastic liturgy. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm off base, but when you describe that, I'm kind of thinking of like Gregorian chants um, kind of in that same vein, but maybe a little more modernized, <laughs> um, just more kind of a, like you're, you're just trying to create like a, like a certain tone in it. Or uh, like is, uh, but I guess my point is what, it, what is contemplative prayer? Right. Great question. And then, and what, and what do you hope to achieve through that? You bet. So yeah. uh, if you've ever seen uh, Monty Python's The Holy Grail when they're walking, Doni Nobis Requiem, smack. That's basically. Yeah, they hit their head. <laughs> yeah. That's essential. We, we just, we do a lot of purgative, you know, self-punishment, self-infliction, you know, self-flagellation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, there was Sign a moment, me up. <laughs> there was a moment where I thought you were serious. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, but no, we don't do that. We do not that was, do that. And that goes okay. All right, duly noted. Um, all right, but that has been part of you know it. It seems like that's been part of church liturgy for like millennia. Yeah, is sure. that you? You know, there's this idea that you want to do physical harm to yourself, and that's how you kind of do penance for. Yeah your sin yeah yeah and you know here's the thing is that liturgy liturgios the work of the people mm -hmm. that's what liturgy comes from it means the work of the people liturgios right and that's all it is you know when people say high liturgy low liturgy i i know we know what they mean right mm -hmm. but and in effect liturgy is simply what we do for worship mm -hmm. right it's what we do okay and the there are things that are very formal Right. That's why what you call it high liturgical church, something mm -hmm. like that, where it's very spelled yeah. out. Lord's Prayer. That would be where I'd use the right term as maybe high liturgy. Most, is what I would. most people do. Right. Exactly. And they apply it that way. Um, and nothing wrong with that. So it's always important, you know, when, when you wade into conversations with with church folk, especially mm -hmm. we define terms. You know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and because these things mean different things to different traditions, to different mm -hmm. uh, expressions. And so f for liturgy, for us, you know, that's just the work of the people. And uh, it's funny. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned some of those things because the original title 
of urban contemplatives was not urban contemplatives. In fact, on the books as a, as a 501c3, when we applied for it, we still had the original title, which is Ars Arandi. Okay. And so, which is not accessible at all, which is why we changed it. So, you know, oh. you, you mentioned, you know, one of the things that were the monks were doing at you know, mm-hmm. uh, the brothers in Taze is they were taking things and, and, can, and making them easy to do, e- understandable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Ars Arandi meant a lot to me meant nothing to anybody else right in fact mm-hmm. i had people who were like serious disciples of contemplative prayer who still can't pronounce the name correctly today mm-hmm. <laughs> right the old one right um let alone contemplative yeah right i can barely can pronounce the <laughs> new new name right so try and give people a, a somewhat attainable goal and uh so we, we chucked that but what that came from is a phrase lex arandi lex credendi which is a latin term mm-hmm. essentially meaning uh the how we pray informs how we believe that's sort of a sort of a paraphrased translation and what i had seen in the reformed tradition there's so many great things in the reformed tradition so please don't yeah anybody who's listening who's coming from that background i mean i just served in it for what 20 25 years and continue to do you know music i had a presbyterian church and travelers rest but the point is is that most reformed thought thinkers writers approach it uh with the with that phrase inverted and as a as as the only method Mm. which is what we believe is what we must determine first how we believe what we believe and then we work it out by doing what we pray right Hmm. um and it's never the other way back like what you know we everything we should do it should be driven by our brains, by our reason. And it's always, that's how it goes. You know, like that shapes the rest of our worldview. And that's just, uh, I, I, I just, uh, I feel very limiting to, to come at that. Uh, and I've always, I've always felt that there's something wrong with just trying to sh- shove it that way. And I couldn't put my mm-hmm. finger on it. Then I began to be seeing, oh, and I came up with this phrase. And Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi puts prayer first in the mm-hmm. phrase, but it's used interchangeably. And that's what a lot of people make a mistake of, especially a lot of the first time we used that phrase and and, and people from my, my reformed friends started Googling that to see what that meant. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, I can find these Catholics and, you know, they're coming at it from this and the other thing. And it's and you are you saying that you you you, you think prayer is superior to faith? And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that's not what this is about. Yeah. It's about how the two interplay, how the two dance together, mm-hmm. how what we do is inextricably linked to what we believe and vice versa and how they shape each other as Mm -hmm. we pray and as we experience God and as we experience Mm -hmm. worship with others and community and individually and as we worship in a cultural context and in our context and see how that comes to life as we are observant of it Mm -hmm. that's going to form our belief systems like oh yeah it makes sense that this applies to that. Oh, I, I see those connections. The same as we can walk through tulip, total depravity of, of sin, you know, unconditional election, limited atonement, you know, uh, irresistible grace, perseverance of the saints. That framework, if you're looking at it from a reform tradition, you know, or, mm-hmm. or you can switch to Armenianism, looking at what, whatever framework you're coming from. It doesn't really matter. You can look at, and that, of course, shapes our liturgy, what we do. That's why we might mm-hmm. do a Lord's Prayer. That why why we might use the Nicene Creed as opposed to the Apostles' Creed, you know, one time, uh, you know, uh, the Night's Creed Creed once, once a month. That's why we may do communion once a month or mm-hmm. once a week. Uh, that's why we may have all these different things that shape how we pray, that shape how we mm-hmm. worship. 
But if they're not allowed to inform each other, you're going to be, you're, you're going to dry up on one side. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you try and force yeah. one to always be in command and superior to the other. Mm -hmm. Because belief informs our practice, but practice also informs our belief. So, so what, what, um, what form does this take? Yeah. I mean, at least, at least with your organization, like how, okay. So how did you, you were describing yeah. like a dance, like how does yeah. that, how, how do, how do you approach contemplative prayer? We do a lot of recreational drugs. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Organic. We're waiting for, yes. That's the, I think it's that, is that the right term now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We, mostly right. Right. we have a lot of people oils, from Colorado who sort of pipe in and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. There you go. No. So we, uh, <laughs> Yeah, man, we get out, break out the glow sticks. It's just a really cool. We all get, you know, we really feel connected. connected already. Boom, you get it, baby. Right, we're one with the, uh, you know, the cosmos. Yes, yes, the force is strong in us. See, um, for those of you who can't see, I have the Millennium Falcon is my uh, Zoom virtual oh, yeah. background. No, it's great. I feel like I'm traveling through hyperspace. I'll tell you, it makes talking to you, <laughs> so it's very appropriate. Hey, like Justin Cropped, boy. Right. <laughs> One miscalculation and you're finding yourself flying through a supernova or something that ends your trip real quick now, wouldn't it? Right, right. We could we could go down the Star Wars road, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, Holy gosh. cow. Oh, we could be here for uh, three other episodes. Okay, yeah, so yeah. getting back to your actual No, let's question. talk about the last three episodes. Come on. It's, it's like <laughs> no, 10 hours later. Boom. So the form it takes originally was uh, what we call gatherings. Mm -hmm. We get together. We were getting together as much as we could to start uh, once a month. And uh, essentially, it was uh, even before we started the gatherings, we started the test run because basically what I did is I wrote at the very end of that third class I, I mentioned uh, mm -hmm. the, the uh, Christianity and, and, and context uh, for my for my worship degree. The, there was a worship project and uh, you're asked to write something, uh, design something that you could you know, beginning, middle, end uh, and imp for implementation in your context uh, anyone who gets this degree by the way it, which is so cool has to have a ministry context before they can even do the degree which is exactly the opposite of almost, almost every seminary i've ever heard of mm -hmm. um ministry you cannot you have to do it to get the you have to do it to get the ministry context. right yeah 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 and mm -hmm. and so this you're like if, if you're not working out what we're teaching you in your context you're going to miss 80 percent of the benefits of, of this and we mm -hmm. want you serving and from day one my first assignment actually fit but with this particular one you know, a lot of things that already been developing in my brain. And I, and I approached my teacher and said, listen, I've, I've got something that's forming. And I think it's bigger than just my church because it has sort of these four categories. One, it's uh, contemplative. Mm -hmm. That's good. I, I, I might be able to do certain aspects and get away with it there, but not going to happen a whole lot in some respects. Two, though, it's ecumenical. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, for me to do this, go ahead, go ahead and define that. Term. Sure. Yeah. For, you, for you, me. You, yep. Yeah. You bet. For me to Just do this in a Presbyterian church. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and to do something that is ecumenical and, uh, mm -hmm. ecumenical is just a fancy word for, uh, we are not connected to any one denomination, any one affiliation, mm -hmm. okay. Protestant, Catholic, any of those kinds of things. Right. And so, uh, we are, what, what I say to folks is rather than being, a, a connected directly and identifying with one we affirm the things that are good of each of those traditions uh, and mm -hmm. welcome those things to inform how we worship ourselves and how we and, and we want you to bring those things to the table yeah well this is the way that we episcopalians do it kind of you know well, what do you think about that 
that is super cool. That helped me to see God in a new uh, way that enriched my understanding because mm-hmm. God can't be, be put in a box, right? Mm-hmm. There are so, you know, each person experiencing the gospel story of, of, of Father, Son, Spirit and, and the entire narrative of, of the Bible and pre-Bible and now in terms of time you know, as, as we continue to look for the future. Everyone experiencing that gospel story, living it out, ha- has their part in the story. And so mm-hmm. when you learn their part in the story and you learn and understand it, just like, just like any good TV show, just like any good movie, just like any good book, when you begin to understand that person through their own narrative, mm-hmm. you can't help but be enriched in some way because mm-hmm. of their experience uh, of them and God and the community of faith and mm-hmm. the people that have been in the world that have shaped them to become what they are today. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's so powerful. And so we want to make sure we create a community and we create an experience that affirms those things and allows people to let their stories inform what we do. So that's, that's really what we're talking about with ecumenical. And if we met at a Presbyterian church, that's going to turn a lot of people off. It's going to say, well, mm-hmm. we know that you believe that, but why are you meeting in a Presbyterian church all the time? So mm-hmm. that was a concern I had. The third was that we are uh, participatory. Um, and, uh, there are some options there that may not have been available to us if we continue down the road that we had a Presbyterian church. Um, the fourth, uh, was reconciliatory. And that was another thing that was driving us, uh, something that I experienced because of my cross-cultural ministry, uh, experience back in Miami, but I had also mm-hmm. seen at, uh, the University of Miami with, uh, Collegiate Black and Christian and InterVarsity as a large group and seeing people working through these ideas of what does it mean for racial reconciliation. And I wanted those four things. These were the four key elements that I saw that I could be passionate about till I was 90. And I could see them happening, but I couldn't see them happening at one specific church. It had to be mm-hmm. something that was outside of a particular church in order to give the most chance of success. It would be hard to start initially because I'd have less support, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think long-term, the long game, it had the best chance of becoming what I believed it needed to become. So uh, he, I said, hey, can I do something like this that's separate from my actual context? People will, from my context, and he said, sure. So I wrote the project. And that project was called Ars Arandi, Ars Credendi, which was borrowed from, from that phrase we just talked about. And the Ars you know, is essentially referring to the art of something. So mm-hmm. essentially it's, uh, it's kind of my own like mental you know, Latin Cohen kind of try, trying mm-hmm. to, you know, of, like to be able to meditate. What does it mean? How do we approach the beauty and the creation of our liturgy? How do we, because that means something. It's very important mm-hmm. because these things do interact. We have to be very intentional. We have to think about, we have to do things in a way that speaks truth and speaks beauty and speaks God and God's love in a way that is substantive, meaningful, to both our faith and our practice. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why that's where that name came from. And then we realized that no one could even say it correctly. So we changed to Urban Contemplatives because that was the target. It's a little bit easier. Yeah. That was the target, uh, the, uh, uh, the target audience, if you will, the, the micro niche, if you will. Uh, the person that this program uh, that I had wrote about was targeting. It, it was literally described in, back in 2016. Who is our audience for this person? The Urban Contemplative. What's the urban contemplative? Well, she's this, 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 and this, and breaking it down. And so mm-hmm. I went, oh, well, why don't we just call our, what, what, we're, what people were trying to reach? Yeah. And everybody yeah. who was in marketing said, yeah, that makes sense. So we did. Um, 
now I totally forgot what your question was, and I just been rambling. So. Well, no, it's a, like I was mainly asking so the form, like, what the was, format. Yeah, what's the what's the format? So, so here it is. I know you've got some stuff posted on your website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the gathering when you walk in, uh, we and we have adapted over the years. We've tried stuff like this was an experiment because I had no idea yes, if any of this would work because I I mm -hmm. I'd seen some of these things in 2018. I went actually on a pilgrimage uh, for 21 days in Europe because. Mm -hmm. What I had been envisioning, I had never seen done, and we've been trying it for six months. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. like, I just need to see what's going on here. And I've been planning for a year. I planned the trip out a year, and then we launched. Mm -hmm. and, but, and so I went to four places. I went to Iona, which is one of the longest. Uh, it's basically where uh, Columba came across uh, from Ireland, uh, mm -hmm. landed uh, um, on the uh, island of Iona in Scotland, and that's basically how they took uh, how, how um, the – successors of St. Patrick took the gospel and spread it eventually to the rest of the United Kingdom. It started in Iona. There was um, uh, an abbey there that had been there for literally over a millennia. It had been burned down by Vikings and torn together and kept keeps getting rebuilt. And so there's a community, the Iona community. Um, and then uh, we went to, I went to Tizé, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. I went to two different Labris, which people from reform background are yes. familiar with Francis Schaeffer. I'm familiar. Went to Switzerland for the original and went to the, uh, the London chapter because all four of those places were Christian community where a contemplative practice of some kind existed. And I wanted to see how each of them fleshed it out, and even between the two different Labris. And it's actually quite different between each, each school. They really let a lot of the mm -hmm. things form themselves. So hugely informative. I saw what would work for us. I saw what might not work for us. I saw some things I wanted mm -hmm. to try, came back, and we started implementing these things. So essentially where we are now in the gathering format has been an evolution, a big evolutionary process. But the format generally is this. Folks will come in now about 30 minutes beforehand. Mm -hmm. We'll have, you know, the Starbucks of choice for the day, and we get to hang and just have conversation, right, from about mm -hmm. 4.30 to 5, to let folks connect, to share what's been going on in their lives. Okay, great. And what that, that purpose is, is, is very important because it lets people – unwind let them kind of start you know just getting things off their chest and let them mm -hmm. put the rest of the world you know, that's been pressing on them for a while and kind of let, give them a release and mm -hmm. then it allows them to connect to the people who are here for like cause once you get to 5 p.m uh we'll start by having uh, a prelude usually there's a uh, there's four of us there's myself on uh voice and piano uh my my uh friend musician uh trey who plays guitar and sings his amazing tenor and then i have uh, a cellist and a violinist um mm -hmm. uh sharon Ani gerber and they play and they're fantastic and so we are using those four instruments uh to set the musical tone and we'll usually mm -hmm. play a short prelude let fo invite folks in they'll have a little bulletin they'll sit down uh, and uh, so it'll just take a minute and a half to kind of let folks know that we start. Then I give mm -hmm. folks the spiel. Like, hey, welcome to Urban Contemplatives. Here's what we're about, right? Uh, and and uh, a lot of what we already have is written right in the bulletin. So if you're wondering what this whole contemplative thing is, what, mm -hmm. you know, what, what forms it, there's more details can go in. But essentially, uh, I just give them the spiel, and then I say, right now, take a moment just to chill. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing here a little bit. Um, so I don't say, Hey, just chill out, but you know, that effect. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. Kick back, baby. Pop a cold one. So the point is, <laughs> is that they take two to three minutes. We usually have a video playing on the background to help folks who are, ha who are very visually cued. Uh, you mm -hmm. can keep your eyes open. You keep them closed. It, you know, it don't matter. Right? Whatever helps mm -hmm. you be still so that you can know God and let God mm -hmm. know you more connect right mm -hmm. uh also i'm gonna can i put you on pause 
for just yeah. one moment. I had to inform my daughter that the cat was meowing at my door and she was supposed to be banished during this interview. <laughs> Otherwise, she... I thought I thought it was the baby. Yeah, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they sound very yeah. similar. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all that being said, back on track. Magic of editing. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, once folks are kicking back, once they're relaxing, they take some moment, we're just going to play some very reflective music it's actually a reflection segment during it so take a couple minutes have a video up there that's helpful to just get your mind still uh then we move mm -hmm. into uh the contemplative prayer section and really there are uh two key sections for folks that they experience or they're most commonly aware of but what we do is we actually follow something called the fourfold order of worship and that's a concept that uh, uh weber uh the weber school teaches a lot of mm -hmm. that you will find um all virtually every church experience every every denomination every affiliation uh since we look back to the didache which is a document <laughs> from uh, early christianity the the, the mm -hmm. earliest bulletin we have on record essentially oh, interesting. It, yeah the didache follows this format and and it looks very different you know from from whatever tradition but the the essentials are there and that's a, a gathering uh a section for the word a section for the table or Thanksgiving, or communion, mm -hmm. or the Lord's Supper, or however it's manifest, and then ascending, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the, the front part, we had the gathering, we welcome people in, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and preparing, and then in contemplative prayer, that section uh, is the, the, the part that they experience the most, and most people would experience uh, at a church setting, like the front end, before the sermon, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. so that's that part. The word uh, we translate uh, uh, is a section that we go into that, again, is, is uh, there are two major contemplative practices, and I'll break them down in a second. Then we have our charge, or I send after, um, to, uh, to get folks going. But the, the gathering portion that is contemplative uh, is, sub, is the contemplative prayer portion. Now, mm -hmm. we borrow up from a lot of practices. There's what's something called centering prayer. There's something called welcoming prayer. There's a lot of different things that have informed what we do for our contemplative mm -hmm. prayer section. But essentially, it's just this. We read a text of some kind that's dealing with a particular topic or theme so that our minds have been centered. They've been focused mm -hmm. on up to a particular topic that we're going to try and wrestle with in prayer and, and, and engage with, interact mm -hmm. with as we go to God in prayer. And so that text will sort of set the theme. And then I'll use uh, in gatherings three, three different words, although we may be changing that to two. Again, we are always tweaking and evolving. Um, in our Mindful Moment podcast uh, that's evolved from this, we use two words uh, and, they're, and they're dualistic or they're, they're word pairs, if you were. So I'll, I'll use that as an example. So um, for instance, um, the one that we just used in our last podcast episode was um, the theme of presence, right? And being present mm -hmm. and in the present moment and being aware of things. And we use a text that set that up. And then we said, okay, now that we've taken a moment to relax, now that we've taken a moment to start engaging with this, mm -hmm. we're going to invite you to pray silently to yourselves while music is playing. And as you pray, uh, we're going to give you a word or phrase that you can use to sort of guide your prayer as you're praying to God. Um, you don't have to, it's just, but it's, it's basically, it's a suggestion to folks. Use this as something that you could kind of help you center your prayer around. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to play, pray and then, uh, and see what happens. Let God speak mm -hmm. to you through, through that reference point. 
And the first word we usually give, uh, or the first word we gave in the episode was absent. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed and folks just pray silently. Then we pause, we let things wrap up. And then I say, okay, the next phrase is present or the next word is present. And so they use that and you pray that to yourself and you just let God speak and take that time to be still before God while the music plays. We make, and it's again, the music that we use is something that's designed to help people who are 21st century products of culture mm. be comfortable mm-hmm. with praying with other people in a room <laughs> silently yeah. for an extended period of time. Because that's the thing. One of the things that I realized very early on, and I, I, affirm this for me if you could, um, or not, you, you agree, disagree, but isn't it so hard? Like, I don't know, your church, but you know, when the confession of sin time comes up, okay, let's confess our sins. Okay, now let's go. You're right. Like the length of time is right. And I think it's mostly because of comfort. Would you? Would you agree? Disagree? Like we're not comfortable. I mean, well, I see. The people. thing is, I think a lot of people, it's it's different. Like some people, like personally, I tend to pray short prayers. You know, I like I I feel like. To be honest, I feel like if you get too much into it and start to, if you get too much in the weeds and and are like you start to think about the words that you're choosing and you're not really thinking about the, you know, the substance of what you're saying mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. I think it has to do a lot with your mindset as you pray more so than the words that you use. I'm so glad you said that. And that it's, and that's one of the problems also with how we approach prayer. And I think a lot of 20th and 21st century is, and, and it was a great question by the way that you had, Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and sort of the, 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 the pre-production as, you know, right. what do you say to people who are concerned about what being contemplative is meditation? And right. Isn't that the mystical nature of like that? Isn't kinda, that... Well, it smacks of like, you know, new ageism, new ageism. Um, and, right. And right. so, you know, you're, you're Christian. Right. So nowadays kind of like bristles at that. Right. Exactly. And there are a few things I would say to that. First off, I'm so glad you said what you did because that hits, I think, on a real issue. And one of the reasons we launched Stripping Template is and why we do what we do is because most prayer is us talking to God mm-hmm. in the 21st century. And as much as so many pastors, so many preachers, so many teachers would absolutely want to lambast me for what I'm about to say, you can observe it virtually every Sunday at every church service I've ever led and worshiped at. Mm-hmm. crazy long prayers <laughs> that are written out or pre mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, Christ himself, Jesus, when he walked on this earth, pretty much told us to shut your stinking mouths <laughs> when you pray. Right. And so when we pray silently, um, we take what we have seen our doing informs our faith. Mm-hmm. We take, what our pastors, what our teachers, what, what has been modeled for ourselves and what we have modeled to ourselves through our own practices over the years. All right, it's time to pray. Okay, God, All right, here's my list. All right, I got ACTS, the ACTS uh, acronym. Okay, I adore you, I confess to you, I thank, I give thanksgiving for you, and then I, I provide supplication. No, okay, th- those are good things. Those are not, I'm not mm-hmm. saying, you know, okay, Lord's Prayer. I'm gonna use the, for- the formula of the Lord's Prayer. Okay, uh, thank you for the day, you know, uh, uh, pray for my enemies. Yeah. And so we have these formulas. Uh, I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. in the Presbyterian tradition that I came through, I learned a lot of that stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. your background, right. did you, did you use a lot of those things? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, so, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of formula there, but I think that see, it's like, it's the difference between like milk and meat. I feel like there's, there's people who are, um, 
you know, they need that structure. Sure. You know, because yeah. they, because they're so, I, I think a lot of people, they, you know, they, they take talking to God seriously. Absolutely. And so they, and they want to make sure that it's done properly. I mean, the high priests, sure. You know, in the old Testament, I mean, there was a very, very specific way that they had to, that, that they had to, or they might get smitten. Right. Exactly. You know, like, boom, so dead. There, there yeah. was a very specific way that they had to do things because you're talking to, you know, and the holy is the holy being. right 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 yeah. and so like you know details matter in that case <laughs> so like you um so i personally like i i personally don't like hype mm-hmm. um i really even though a lot of times i'll get suckered in by it <laughs> but i like but i don't like hype mm-hmm. because i feel like it it blurs the it muddies the water yeah. Um and you 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 don't know if you're being genuine or not. Sure. At least for my part. Absolutely. Um long long prayers are good. Some people enjoy those. Some people use that as a way to structure their own thoughts as somebody else prays. Sure. You know, they're praying a different prayer as the person on stage is praying. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like but you know, for me, like if like for instance if I'm ever asked to pray, like in a in something, I try and keep it as short as possible because mm-hmm. just from teaching, I just know that people are going to listen for about twenty seconds, right? And um, and that's it. Yep. And you, you've, and, you've yeah. hit on so that's many. Just key, me. You've hit on so many key things that actually help inform what we do. Um. So and let, let me let me uh, and let me counterbalance because mm-hmm. talking to God's a good thing. And having Absolutely. form and structure to talk to God is a good thing. So let me let me. Mm-hmm. It's always good before presenting something, you know, to make sure that you've, you 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 show yeah you know, the counterbalance. Like these are things mm-hmm. that are good, right? And you know there are examples in Scripture where you know Psalm one nineteen is a perfect. That's a long psalm, but mm-hmm. as long as it is, is that the norm? Number one, no, it's not. Most mm-hmm. psalms are much shorter than that in terms right. of congregational singing, even for private uh, for fri- private use. Christ himself, when, when he is not quoted pages and pages and pages, uh, you'll get into John and there are examples of where he's talking and teaching and informing of what, you know, some, some deep dives, if you will, um, mm-hmm. on, on what's about to happen, what's coming with the Last Supper and whatnot. But by and large, uh, the prayers are, uh, even in Psalms, are of a shorter format. And Christ himself spoke, look, if you're going to talk to God, it, you know, here's a good format, here's a good structure. Don't blather on, right? Because if you blather on, you're being tempted. There's a great, we're always tempted to bring glory to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing sure. it publicly, the longer you talk, the greater your chance you're trying to bring gl- glory to yourself. It's just you get more opportunity to, sl- to slide. Sl- right. Yeah, so, the temptation's hard. So there's that one aspect, right? But here's the thing that I'm really was driving at. And, and you mentioned a couple really great things that are exactly why we do what we do. Talking to God is great. And talking God's important. Number one, TED Talks are only 18 minutes for a reason. Mm. Sermons, some people have learned, some people haven't. <laughs> the attention mm. span in terms of there. Mm. The, ta- the need for the talking head that goes for 45 minutes has decreased, re- uh, has decreased exponentially. I could mm. Google a podcast right now uh, of, mm. of, of literally any passage of scripture. I mean, there are apps that, that literally will read you the passage of scripture from yep. different voices with dwell and whatnot. Yep. So do I need a talking head specifically for my worship experience to unpack it specifically the way that they see it every Sunday? 
you know, because um, because it doesn't exist elsewhere. No, I don't. I really don't. I could find people, frankly, who are more gifted, more talented, more experienced with uh, any particular look, and I can do it from six different perspectives, uh, mm -hmm. you know, on just one passage uh, for, for exegesis and have it in 20 minutes, you know, listen mm -hmm. through all of these guys, right? Yeah. And so that need for the pastoral exegesis on a Sunday morning live experience has decreased exponentially over the years the need for it it's still great don't get me wrong it's a wonderful thing mm -hmm. but there's other things if we take that out what are we missing what is something that has not been happening in my own life that's a huge part of what informed me like what am i missing in terms of corporate worship what am i missing in my individual i talk to god does god talk to me do i give god the time to talk to me do i give god the permission to talk to me do i Set a context where I'm not listening to the whirlwind, where I'm not throwing a whirlwind at God, where I'm not throwing God the thunder and the lightning of all of my life and just, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> thanks, God. I feel better. Okay, cool. Have a nice day. <laughs> right. Like God as the cool, cool, cool. God as your counselor. Yeah. Your psychologist. Right. right. Mm -hmm. We have the wisdom and the connectivity with the author, the creator, and the sustainer of the universe. Mm. And that person, those persons have told us, be still and know I am God. Right? Mm -hmm. That's where we find them. We find them in the stillness. Right? We mm -hmm. Sometimes they show up because we're that thick and they got to give us a pillar of fire. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Look, oh, yeah. y'all are not clued in. I am I am shouting at you and you're not, pillar of fire. <laughs> yeah. Look, right. here I am, okay? Do you get it now? Right. Let's let's not need a pillar of fire. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, that was... Let's be still and let's take a moment. Okay, God, speak to me. We rest, I know I wrestle with that immensely. And so we have these forms. We have the ACTS. We have mm -hmm. the Lord's Prayer guidance. These are all things that are hugely helpful didactic tools in learning how to speak with God using that format, like the, Le the Levites and, 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 and the priests of uh, uh, both Melchizedek as well as, you know, and connecting those. There are ways that we can approach God and talk to him, talk mm -hmm. to them, talk to these three in one, right? And be able mm -hmm. to interact with them. What my own tradition lacked was saying, okay, cool. How do I listen to God? How do I hear God? How do I invite myself to be still so that God can speak to me in the stillness? That, mm -hmm. that was something that was sorely lacking in both my knowledge and my experience. And that is essentially what Urban Contemplative is about, is saying, we've got this. We've got the, these forms. We can find them and have you know, explanations of them for the rest of our lives, we could be reading content on this. Mm -hmm. This aspect over here, what we do to invite God in, I feel there's a shortage. I feel there's a shortage of practice, a shortage of understanding, a shortage of knowledge. And this right here are the things that allow us, I believe, if we get in touch with these more and more, to do those exact same things and experience the same things as I experienced when I was in college seeing cross-cultural, seeing transcultural, these things are like, I'm being still before God. I'm letting God speak. You're with me. You're the same thing. We're, we're not here trying to espouse our understanding of God. 
we're all here because we all want to hear God. Mm. And that is a comp, that's something that we can all center around and, and have a commonality with. The, mo- the moment we start talking to you, like, well, this is what God really is. Let me, let me tell you what God really is. God is infant baptism. Whoa! Mm-hmm. No, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. God said that was not the case. You know, you got to have right. a, a certain level of understanding. You know, da, 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 you know, we could go on and on or just do, you know, infant, infant mm-hmm. communion, right. you know, communion. Uh, take, take your pick of why we have in the Presbyterian tradition alone, probably like, you know, 50, 60 versions of Presbyterians alone in the United States. Right. We're good at dividing. We need mm-hmm. to unite. And that's what we're trying to do with urban contemplatives is find, okay, cool. You're coming from here. We love this. We love this. Let's pray. Let's take a moment. Let's talk about something that's important to maybe our personal lives or important what's going on. Let's use some key words right now that can help us if we get lost. Because, hey, I know my brain goes all over the place mm-hmm. a mile a minute. Yeah, maybe it's, it's going to start going towards that I do the dishes. Maybe it's going to go to that, that fight I had with my wife or why I was too mean to my kid when I told her to get the cat. I'm going to have to apologize later. You know, whatever I need to do. You know, and I'm going to start saying, but no, no, right now it's God. It's God's time. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. What was that word? Absent. Oh, I was about mm-hmm. to be absent, wasn't I, God? My bad. Help me see the absence in my life. Where am I absent right now with you, mm-hmm. God? Show me. And I'm just going to shut up and let you speak to me on that. Show mm-hmm. me. Show me. <laughs> help, help me see it so I can be present to those things now and, and when I leave this place. And then we shift gears. And you know, they're modeled off the confession of sin, assurance of pardon. This is actually mm. incredibly reformed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> th- th- that's what those spaces are. They're the word pairs. I'm absent. I'm confessing right now, God. I don't tell this to people. I don't, I don't tell this. This is where it comes from. But that's exactly what these word pairs are. It's, so it, now that you've found out, I've pulled back the curtain. All, my, all the people mm. are listening. If you ever come. Confession of sin, assurance of pardon. Present. These are, God is present. He is present. He is with you no matter wherever you go. And then we end it with scripture that speaks to these exact same truths. We pull it out and go, oh, yeah, cool. Ah, This is where God is promising these things in the present moment. Psalm 16 is what we used, what it was talking about. When God, you know, he is present with you. And and when you have your, your mind, your heart, and your soul engaged, God is there. He is with you. He is shaping all of these kinds of things. Um, and, and, that's, and that's, we always pull it back to the scripture and let you see, mm-hmm. these are how God sees these words. And when you avail yourself of God's, uh, avail yourself of, of God and of his word and of the word living out in your story mm-hmm. through you know, with his story, it's pretty cool. Then for the gathering part, we move into something called Lexio Divinia. I'm not going to bore you too much on that, but essentially it's taking a passage of scripture rather than having a talking head. This is a practice that's been around since, gosh, the sixth century or so, and it's still used in all sorts of circles today. You take a passage of scripture rather than exegete it, you read it and you use different voices. Mm-hmm. I'll take a passage like Psalm 16 is a perfect example. I'll take that, what we used, I'll read it and say, listen to it. Now we're going to read it again. And then I'll have someone like Sharon or someone uh, with, with a different kind of style of voice read it mm-hmm. and say, now this time, listen for words that may stick out to you. Right. Don't, you don't, don't try to analyze it, but what are words that are particularly right now for you catching? And everybody's different. I've seen this happen so mm-hmm. many times in different contexts. Um, and something will grab them from that passage. Okay, cool. Third time, we're going to read it. And at the end of it, I want you to bring that to God. And say, God, what, what's going on? Why are these words standing out? What, do you, what are you trying to communicate to me from your word with these words in particular? 
they're on my heart for some reason. They're in my mind. Is, are, is there something you're trying to tell me here right now? And, you know, duh, of course, he's always trying to tell us something. Yeah. So that lets you inf- get informed. And then uh, for us, um, we have a fourth reading together to affirm what these what God has shared with us and how we feel uh, we're being called to live it out so that we can affirm, yes, God, we, we, we are listening. We are hearing together this passage as it speaks into our lives differently individually, but corporately as a body. We're letting this passage of your word transform us and spiritually form us. And then we have a song and we pray out and we're gone. Oh, and th- right. right before that, we have uh, a time to pray corporately where we're participatory again. Hey, mm. at the end, we do sentence prayers. Share something, uh, you pray, a, pray a phrase or pray a short sentence, something you're particularly grateful for. Gratitude, mm. gratefulness, focusing on that. And then we send out. Mm. Yeah. That's the format. What, what, what feedback have you gotten? Um, do, do you feel like you're, that people are overwhelmingly positive? Have you had, you know, um, do you have people that come regularly and um, what's your, what, what kind of, what kind of response have you had? So it's been interesting uh, because uh, one, because we have evolved and we've evolved mm-hmm. mostly uh, because of participant feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Going, what works? I have a team of folks who have been working with me since the beginning. Uh, the musicians, for one, have been mm-hmm. with me since day one. And Sharon and Anya and Trey are just phenomenal, phenomenal folks. Um, just way more deeply uh, in tune with God than I am in many respects. And so their own uh, sensitivity to what we're doing is is hugely helpful to me. Um, and and, so, and how we see that we play that out. So they give me feedback based off of what they hear. Uh, we have lots of volunteer leaders that have also been with us who sort of set things up. And so we do, we get a ton of feedback. Um, and we have grown almost exclusively with gatherings by word of mouth. Um, we haven't really done much promotion per se at all and it's mm. really been about inviting and um we our first year and a half we had i mean we were lucky if there were more people at coffee underground where we originally met sitting in the room than there were on stage <laughs> at the moment in time for several of them and there were a lot of times it got very frustrating for me uh that first year like am i i feel god i'm so called but like man if if i get more people if, if we if we get just ourselves show up again i'm done <laughs> mm-hmm. and god god would graciously wait, allow me to feel that way after we got a good room. <laughs> attended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. There's more people than us. Okay. Good, good, good. I can keep going. <laughs> we have uh, since moved to Larkin sawmill location and yep. uh, we have easily doubled, tripled our numbers uh, over the last right. year. So right now is a group of about mm, anywhere from 20 to 30 that meet mm-hmm. regularly for this. Uh, when we get our, our, our monthly group, this is pre COVID. Obviously we have not been meeting with, with, sure. COVID, COVID stuff. And uh, we had uh, several things that were going. There was really some great momentum that was going with that. And folks were getting really excited and more and more people were being invited. So we had just kind of hit that place where we were about to tap some critical mass. And then, yeah, yeah, be six feet away and don't meet with meetings more than 10. Right. All right, cool, 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 right. cool. So something that was on our docket that people had been asking for for a long time said, hey, listen, you know, monthly is great, but we would love to have something weekly in between these months because it's a hard thing for us to keep these rhythms because we don't do them at our regular church context and by the way i want to say right up front one of the things that we put on our website one of the things that we i make very clear if anybody asks we are not a church right and we are not trying to be a church what we are i believe is something that is supplemental to uh people's individual spirituality so Mm -hmm. we very much encourage if you're at a church home that you that is healthy and you're excited about keep keep this is not this is not to replace that this is mm-hmm. something that they 
for all their, uh, you know, uh, great things that they do and the family that you're there and community and the things that they do that are awesome, it's a good chance they may not be doing this, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but this is designed to be supplemental. This is not designed to replace the awesome things that you can have in a church context, right? Mm -hmm. Please, mm -hmm. and please keep doing that. Um, just like uh, if you're you know, uh, part of Tizay and those kinds of experiences, we want you to continue to be connected to those traditions, to those faiths, and to those people. So, uh, so I say all that, um, people had asked to have something to help them just in their individual, once, once they leave, just like, you know, church is like, Hey, Sunday's great, but what about church on Monday? Mm -hmm. Right. And to give people tools to take what they have heard, what they've learned what, and what they want to practice in their lives. So that when they walk out, you know, on 9am and when they're getting up in the showering, you know, and they come home after a long day, like, how does my faith and how do these things help me? live daily to be true to fulfill the two great commandments right mm -hmm. and so we had on docket some things that we wanted to launch you know six months to a year after this season was done in may like i was like all right i'm hoping by november 2020 you know definitely 2021 sometime okay no gatherings okay let's move that timetable up <laughs> and so yeah. Welcome to the Mindful Moment podcast, which we launched back in April 12th. Um, and okay. essentially that format is based largely on what we had been doing in the gatherings that we saw worked, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a truncated, it's a shortened version. And this is pretty much the tagline is 10 minutes guided contemplation, followed by five minutes of conversation with fellow contemplatives, helping us to explore their own mindful moments through an ecumenical Christian lens. Boom. There's mm -hmm. your elevator pitch. There you go. Yeah. And that's, that's what each episode is. Um, and it, we'll have, uh, we don't do the Lexio Divina because uh, again, it's just a, a, it's a little bit more clunky. We'll do, we'll do the contemplative mm -hmm. prayer portion with the two, with the word pairs and we'll, uh, with a, uh, a text to set the context and mm -hmm. a scripture to tie it all together at the end. And then we'll have the conversation. And in between, we use music that I've recorded either with piano or if we have a guest who's a musician, we'll use mm -hmm. highlights of, of music that that person themselves have used uh, and recorded to highlight what they do and uh, uh, if it fits the, the contemplative vibe. So, yeah, it's it, is that. that are, is it original pieces? Do you, yes. do you compose? Yes. Oh, very so, good. So the reflections can be original or they can be original arrangements of hymns. So one of the things that mm -hmm. I've done as, as you know, a piano player for, for years, and I've got a degree in jazz and background. So I'm mm -hmm. used to winging it, as it were, or improvising sure. pretty much on the spot. Like, I don't even know what hymn I'm going to start to play a note. Um, you know, and, and that, like, baffles my mind that you do that. Like, I mean... Well, I just it just blows my mind that well it like, baffles oh, my mind that you got a beard do. that handsome but you know <laughs> it's a shadow I'm I'm clean shaven man <laughs> dude <laughs> I aspire to that beard right there I couldn't are you kidding like this Some is like better. three weeks bro I'm just saying no way <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you man this this is like I am shaggy from Scooby Doo like you know like you know <laughs> never like a full beard zoinks zoinks <laughs> uh, but anyways, yes. So the podcast has been incredibly, incredibly well received. And yeah. that is something that has been scaling dramatically over, over the last few months. And, mm -hmm. I, and folks keep telling us like the feedback from the people in gatherings, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings or like, you know, I mean, your gatherings are great, but this is honestly way better than the gatherings. Can you keep, make sure you keep doing this? And I'm like, okay, right. You got to be like, okay. <laughs> it's we'll like, keep fine. Doing it. All right, fine. You know? And so yeah. we're actually thinking like through like, okay, well, how do we do that? 
and you know what can we do mm. to improve and so there's actually some really big announcements coming down the pike probably in the next month or so uh there's some really big announcements coming next week uh so tune in to urban yeah. um but yeah, uh, i'll link in the i'll, I'll link in the show right. notes yeah. for the um for folks who haven't already turned it off said heathen <laughs> right i mean hey like i i'm all i'm up for debate i feel like that's that's very very necessary in our culture yeah. is uh free free exchange of ideas and debate and we can disagree and still be friends. Oh, well, that's good because I disagree with pretty much everything you've said so far. So. There we go. See, so it's working already. <laughs> no. Are you kidding? If I, if, if I, no, no, absolutely not. In fact, I really appreciate a lot of things that you have said because um, whether or not you know you have a different take on what we do, I, mean, mm-hmm. I would I would encourage you to come and check it out or listen. To, you've heard you've heard an episode of the podcast or two, right? I haven't yet. No, actually, to be honest, I haven't. <sighs> I'll get right on. Like, no, well, like, well, to be honest, first, Eric, I, I really just wanted to make sure, you know, you weren't a screwball new ager that was basically, if I listened to an episode, was my, now I, I believe, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a reformed tradition. So, you know, I, I believe that my salvation is secure, but I don't want to push a button. I don't have to, that may make God rethink this whole process. Mm-hmm. So where's every contemplative episode? Where, is that kind of what your process was? Sure. That was it. You nailed it. No, I was, I just, I, I just haven't taken the time to listen to it, but I will. <laughs> but it's not like you got a four month old or something, man. Come on. Yeah. Too, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, I like to end each podcast with, um, one question. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and the whole impetus of the podcast is to just advertise Greenville and what's available hey, and, um, why people move here and why they stay. So, yep. Eric Barnhart, what's the big deal about Greenville? What is the big deal? That, you know, that's a great question. I'm, and I'm glad that you put that on uh, the list and what that's what you do. I think it's I think that that in and of itself is a question truly worthy of a podcast. And so look at that. You're doing Thank one. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Um, and, and it's funny because what you're doing in, 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 in many ways is similar to what I'm doing. When I when I approach people, uh, you're asking about people's story. Mm-hmm. You're asking what what brought you to Greenville? What is your what's the story that you've experienced? Of why are you here in Greenville? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why is there something unique or unusual that you may find here? What what is it that makes your story and Greenville story something uh, compelling or interesting? What why are you here? What what's what what is about it? And you know, as I was thinking about this, I I I've been going. I don't know about you, buddy, but I I have a neighborhood that's really conducive to walks, and I have mm-hmm. since COVID, I have like quadrupled my walk time <laughs> oh wow you know, yeah. all the time now and so like every morning practically if it's not raining i'll pretty much be out for a walk and so i was doing that mm-hmm. thinking through this question because i knew it was coming mm-hmm. and appropriately enough with my virtual background and with with uh with uh um you know i know our, our fellow shared nerddom and geekdom mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. street cred the answer that i would say uh to that question is What's the big deal about Greenville? Here it is. Greenville has delusions of grandeur. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> you know, and I'm borrowing that. I'm stealing that from Han Solo, Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon, in the background yeah. for those who can't see yeah. it. You know, and that's when he's you know he's uh, unfrozen from the carbonite. You know, mm-hmm. Chewie's coming up to him and he's like, and he's like, what? Is, 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 is Luke here? And she's like, rrr, rrr. He's like, what? A Jedi Knight? A Jedi Knight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And they go, I get, I'm out of it for a little while and everybody gets delusions of grandeur, right? Yes. And here's the yes. thing. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Luke had, didn't right. even finish his training. 
Mm-hmm. Like Jedi Knight, okay. You know, this ragtag bunch, you guys think, you know, like, what? You know, we're going to mm-hmm. do all this, right? And yet they mm-hmm. do, right? Mm-hmm. Against all odds, they defy all the odds. And here's the thing with Greenville. For better or for worse, we have delusions of grandeur, okay? We aspire, okay? Mm-hmm. We aspire for good things. We aspire for great things, I will say that. We aspire for things that we were not before. Like, you know what? We used to be this. We used to be a mill town that was run down, that, you know, people did not want to walk downtown. You know, there was, there was a deadness to us. We had, we had mm-hmm. there, a great parts of us uh, had rotted, right? And had died for anyone who knows any of the history around here. And we have been reborn. We have given, we have been given new opportunity, new chances, and we're going to take it. We're going to seize it. And we're going to mm-hmm. go after this thing and make this gosh darn town, the coolest gosh darn town in South Carolina in the South. Da, da, da. Yeah. I heard once somebody, Amen. I laughed my tail off later. I don't think I, I hopefully didn't do it to their face, but I might've a little bit. Um, when they told me, you know, Greenville's just like the Austin of the, of the, of South Carolina or the Southeast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Because, <laughs> There are 50 dedicated music venues in Austin alone. They were trying to sell, mm-hmm. like, you know, how great the music scene has come up and been this and that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you kind of got delusions of grandeur there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like, but that doesn't make your aspirations any less significant or any more important. And mm-hmm. guess what? Our aspirations, our drive to make something better, that's a good mm-hmm. thing. That's a great thing. And guess what? We have succeeded largely where so many towns haven't even bothered to try. Mm-hmm. Or if they tried and have not put yeah. any effort towards it, Greenville has tried and they have failed abysmally in other, in some places and they have succeeded triumphantly in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's what makes Greenville different. I think is that we aspire to be something up better and above what we were in the past. And you've mm-hmm. seen that from the leaders back in the nineties into the second, uh, the first wave that built the peace center that built falls park to, to mm-hmm. the second wave where the entire uh, main street was transformed to now this third wave where the West end and the village and all these different locations and are blowing up the commons, all these different areas are now spreading out from the city and even taking on different aspects in the County. It's, it's, it's a cool place to be. We fail a lot. And we're become, mm-hmm. we are, we have become a great town. We've become a great town. I'm going to borrow from yet another uh, geeky nerd reference here in a second. We, we become a great town. That's why we're on the top 20 with so many things. Best town for affordability. Best town for being able to have outdoor culture. Best this, that, and the other thing, right? We are. We're a great town to live in. Hopefully, to borrow from the inspector from Sherlock, mm-hmm. who's talking about Sherlock himself. He was a great, he's a great man. And hopefully one day he'll become a good one mm-hmm. to where he concludes the final season. He's a good man uh, with, you know, uh, and uh, a good man. And he, he flips it around. I forget the exact phrase. Mm-hmm. I watched the first th- through third episode, way more than the fourth, mm-hmm. <laughs> fourth season. But the point is we're a great town. I hope and I pray as we aspire to, for these great things that we continue to be a good town. Because there are a lot of challenges that Greenville still faces. There are a lot of things. Uh, I came from Atlanta to Greenville. And there are still a lot of the old South, and I won't break it down into the, that we still struggle with mm-hmm. as a town. For all the good things that we have, there's still a lot of the things that make, that are ensconced and entrenched that we are still wrestling how to um, reconcile with some of our other mm-hmm. aspirations. And that is my prayer. That's one of the reasons why I do what I do. That's actually a major reason why I do what I do. And why I get frustrated, but why I also get very encouraged 
by the leadership with uh, folks like yourself, Bill, uh, of, of people who are stepping out and saying, hey, let's engage our community. Let's talk about what is it that makes us who we are. Amen, brother. Mm. Conversation. Contemplation, conversation. Mm. Be present. Let's see. Because contemplation is not about emptying. To get back to what you're saying, contemplation is not about emptying, like what a lot of people think. Um, the early Christians, the, the church, the desert fathers, contemplata means to look or contemplate it, depending on who present. It means to have a long, loving look at something. It doesn't mean to shut your brain off. It means to gaze into the soul of, and the substance of something and see it for what it truly is. And I don't know of, of an act that can be, embrace it for all of what it is. I don't know of an act that could be more loving than that, right? And to be able to see someone for who they are, to know in the biblical sense, the context, that deep, intimate connection. That's when we talk about a husband and wife when they become one, that same knowledge. You don't get it just by talking at something. You get it by letting it be it and letting it inform you in every shape, fashion, and form. That's what contemplation is supposed to be, right? That's what it really is, and being present, not projecting on it, letting it be it and you seeing it for its truth. And then conversation. Let's talk about that. I saw your truth. I see this truth. This is what I love. Here's what I struggle with. Here's what I wrestle with. Let's converse. Let's talk. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time, and thanks for what you're doing. This podcast is written and produced by me, Bill Kammer. I'm a realtor in the Greenville area, and I'd love to be your go-to agent here. Please contact me at wkammer at parkergroupservices.com for more information. What's the Big Deal About Greenville is recorded at the Parker Group, a boutique real estate company offering residential and commercial real estate services, property management, and development consulting. Visit the Parker Group at parkergroupservices.com. For guest info, visit the website at thebigdealgreenville.transistor.fm. You can also like the show at Facebook and Instagram at The Big Deal Greenville or on Twitter at The Big Deal GVL. Artwork by Corey Godby. Music is licensed by Storyblocks Audio. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please email me at thebigdealgreenville at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, y'all.